What's going on? This is your man KB, and you are listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with KB. KB just released a brand new book called Dangerous Jesus. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, a podcast for Christian music fans by Christian music fans. Let's keep the tradition of talking fast food alive on our podcast. Did you see KFC came back with the double stack? I did. No. Do you know what the double stack is? Where it's... A double down. Yeah, that's what it's called. Double down. Where it's the two chicken tenders on the Two chickens and bacon and cheese. I've never had one. Uh, I've seen a lot of pictures about them. Um... Jacob, you said you've had one? Uh, One time, yeah. I've had one. Out. Okay. Is it worth it? What? It was pretty dry yeah, when I be- had it. Like, it okay. needs it That's needs more I sauce. Imagine. needs more sauce. Yeah, and, like, uh, with yeah, a bun, it can it. kind of support all the toppings. But with the, the chicken being the buns, the toppings just kind of slide out everywhere. So... Um, we may have talked about this before. I don't know. Um, Chick Fil A is probably, or not Chick Fil A, KFC is probably my least favorite um, fried chicken place to go to. And I'm from Kentucky. That's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I've I've had bad experiences at KFC. So their biscuits I don't are really good, but but go there. I used to actually get paid um by yes, young brands here. to go do yeah. taste tests um for kfc usually it was kfc there was only one time that i went to the testing and it yeah. was a taco bell some some doritos something yeah. that they were doing me and my wife used to um, do that a lot the taste testing but yeah um because the young young brands thing is here local um they would do all those uh testings and one time i got paid double because it was uh i had to go in and get a whole family pack it was like the whole you know the 12 count of chicken and sides and uh, biscuits and everything and then i had to come back the next day and do the whole questionnaire our guest today is KB, and he recently came out with a book, Dangerous Jesus, and Jesse and I got to chat with him. Chris wasn't able to be a part of that conversation, but uh, interesting book. I know. It was it was great to get to talk to KB. I mean, he's passionate about he's passionate about his ministry and what, what God's called him to do in reaching this generation, and it comes through in an interview. Um He's a guy who's in love with Jesus, and he loves people, and uh, it was encouraging and, cha- and um, what's the word? Not, not, yeah, challenging, I think, uh, would be the word. It was encouraging, for sure, to talk with him, and uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the interview. Well, today we have with us KB. How are you, man? Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, uh, KB, we're going to get into talking about your book, Dangerous Jesus, but I'd like to ask you to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners, those of you who may not know who you are, uh, yeah. obviously musical artist, kind of give us a little background on how you got your start uh, yeah. in music and then what kind of led you to where you are today. Just a brief overview, man. Of course, of course. Uh, well, my name is KB. That is short for Kevin Burgess. There's nothing 
deeper than that, my <laughs> kingdom builder or something like that. Uh, Love it. Uh, but my wife calls me KB, so I'm, I'm cool with everybody else calling me that. Um, I am a father, uh, husband, uh, minister of the gospel, and uh, an artist. I get the uh, opportunity, by God's grace, to travel the, the world um, proclaiming Jesus's excellencies through hip hop. Uh, in addition to that, um, I'm an author. I wrote a book, um, and, uh, and have the privilege of kind of excavating the truths of that book on a podcast called Southside Rabbi. And all of that is kind of rolled up into what I consider to be my mission, uh, which is to bring clarity to people's vision of God. Because if you see God clearer, you cannot help but worship the beauty, glory, and wonder yeah. of what you see. Uh, and I just do that as many ways as I can, as my gifts allow. Man, that's awesome. So, KB, this is a podcast uh, for Christian music fans and by Christian music fans, like we told you in the beginning. And from time to time, yeah. we uh, get fan questions in. And actually, uh, when we knew we were talking with you, we had my son. He is a huge KB fan. He lo- he He is... The biggest All white right. boy that can just rap like no other. And he loves your music, right. and he he was so excited to ask you a question. And so this is a special week for him. He got baptized this past Sunday, and now he gets to talk Ooh, to his favorite man, artist. So to him. Levi would like to ask you a question real quick. Hey, this is Levi Jacobson, and I was wondering, um, what is the story behind the song Not Today, Satan? Ah, well, first of all, God bless you, uh, Levi, and congrats on your baptism, brother. Um, so the story behind Not Today, Satan, um, is uh, is kind of a uh, it was kind of like something that felt a little random that ended up turning into something a lot more meaningful. So I got a beat from a producer friend of mine, and the name of the beat was Not Today, Satan. And uh, as soon as I saw the the name in the email, it made me think about the simplicity of that phrase uh, that there's, it's not deep. It's just a stand that the devil's not going to have his way today. And um, in, in so uh, it kind of produced this idea to make something that felt like an, an anthem around saying to the enemy and, and I've never shared this publicly so I, I'll share it with y'all right now the the hook has this na 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 that thing on there it's supposed to be like saying nah like no 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 Satan not today and uh I love that the end of the song ends with Jesus in the final moment of time looking at the devil and saying not today. You will no longer, you know, I'm getting goosebumps just <laughs> thinking about it. You will no longer, you will no longer terrorize the nations. Not today. You're done. Where then he is cast into the lake of fire. So anyways, that's what that song kind of came from. That's sort of the heart and sound behind it as well. And I am very grateful that you've loved it, my brother, Levi. Um, My favorite two artists. You and Andy Minio. Oh, there you go. <laughs> We're a little different. I know yeah. we look similar. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Later, Andy's my guy. Andy's my guy. Well, uh, KB, let's get into talking about Dangerous Jesus. 
what prompted you to write this book? And yeah. I mean, why'd you decide? Why now? Why is the time to put this book out there? Yeah, so um, I've wanted to write for uh, years, and um, by God's grace, um, the the opportunity became more accessible and uh, more real uh, in 2020. Uh, the world was sort of shut down. We were not on the road anymore. Um, and uh, the Lord, by God, by his grace, introduced me to a wonderful publisher in Tyndale. And uh, they, uh, you know, particularly the sister that that worked on my project the most just believed in me uh, and wanted what she had discerned from my voice. In fact, she, I was doing this virtual concert and I was doing this virtual concert uh, in 2020 and I had a VIP experience where I had one-on-ones with uh, folks that uh, kind of got the VIP package. And uh, this sister at Tyndale, uh, she, bought a ticket to the VIP where we had 60 seconds together and we, the zoom opened. She came on, she said, Hey KB, love your music, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. And I was like, what's up? She said, I want to, I want to produce your book. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. This, it feels like this is the time. So, um, it started a, a great relationship that then, uh, her name is Sarah Atkinson. She's a wonderful sister that has held me down. Uh, and not only helping me put the project together, uh, but coaching me and encouraging me through the way as I as I wrote it. So, anyways, the situ the God providentially made it possible. the The main, the kind of sum and substance, the meat and potatoes of all of it is that the there is a massive deconversion movement uh, in our nation. People are flooding the uh, sort of flooding out into the streets, leaving mm. the church. Um, and there, that, that isn't merely a uh, mystery, um, but there's, mm. there's, there's real, uh, there's real effects on the way we teach people about who Jesus is, how we represent Jesus to the nation, what our lives say about who Jesus is, uh, when those things are done in a way that's in alignment with the Lord Jesus Christ, unimaginable good is done. Uh, souls are saved. Uh, societies are saved. Uh, legacies are built. Godliness and righteousness reigns when we are putting our feet in the path that Jesus set before us in his life. Uh, but when we say we're walking with Jesus and Jesus is ours and we are his and we are among his fold, yet we don't represent him. Uh, we deny him in our lives. There's this consequence to that. It isn't simply we look at each other weird on Twitter or folks at your church might not think you're committed enough. No, you, you can buy your misrepresent misrepresentation of Jesus do unimaginable harm. And, uh, and my thought has been in step with, uh, you know, I talk about in the book, the, the, the thoughts of Frederick Douglass, that as he lived in chattel slavery, he realized that there were two sets of individuals who were claiming Jesus as Lord. One set had used Jesus as the justification for unspeakable evil. And he called that the Christianity of the land a Christianity that is shaped by what people are just doing. It's what's in the air. It just is, it's a reflection of the zeitgeist, the zeitgeist. But then he mm-hmm. contrasts that in chattel slavery with another 
group and his own experience with Jesus, um, where he separated from those who were abusing his name. And he said that these folks represent what he called the Christianity of Christ, the pure, peaceable, uh, earth-shattering, um, life-giving uh, religion of the Lord. And he said that the two could not be more different and that the former is not deserving of the title of the latter, that it's not worthy of being called Christianity. And I think that what is a contributor in the failed represent, representation and reputation of many of the Christian expressions or that which is called Christian in our nation, it hinges on this very fact that people have been inundated with a Christianity of the land, but not the Christianity of Christ. And I, by God's grace, want to be a part of the efforts to bring revival to a land that is largely lost. Uh, I won't even say the mm. word loss that is largely misunderstood mm. who Jesus is in the living. And we are living out the fruit of that misunderstanding. And let me say this last thing about what I hope to do in this book is I just don't want to help you think better about Jesus more accurately about Jesus or more mm. uh, and more in a more palatable way. I want people to be introduced to the Jesus that transformed mm. me, transformed people in my community. When I come to conversations with people who would critique Christianity as a whole, I want to go back and forth with you on what does the Bible say and what the Bible does not say. I want to rationalize and bring apologetics to the table, but make no mistake, I'm bringing to the table the life that God has changed undeniably, not just simply my life. I, I'm not mm. just a kind of Lazarus in this world, but I'm looking at a community of people, a church filled with people, a city filled with people that God has done something for as they have emulated his way and they have pursued and loved his will. God has stood up examples of what it means to be transformed. And what I'm saying is that is available to this generation. And I'm hoping that God would use this book as a means to remind people of who Jesus is and what Jesus does and, yeah, right uh, and, and have them experience it as well. Yeah. As a youth pastor, I mean, you're, you're hitting on so many things I talk about with my, with my students. It's they'll mention something about Jesus or they'll say something. And I'm like, no, that, there, there's this domesticated version of Jesus that mm. we, that a lot of Christians, we made them look so much like us yes. that it's just like, it's not attractive to someone who's really looking for something. And it's sure. like, well, no, you're, that's not Jesus. Like they'll say something or you hear something. You're like, no, 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 that's not Jesus. Like that's, that's right. That's some yeah. counterfeit. Yeah. So yeah, I, I appreciate Absolutely. your message in the book and, and what you're hitting on there, man. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, uh, you talk about it in your book, and, and you briefly uh, mentioned this a minute ago. But before you you met Jesus, before you got saved, you, you said that Christianity was uh, was just culture to you. And so, can you tell us uh, sure. what you mean by that? Yeah, I think that it's uh, it's black culture, it's American culture. Um, there is uh, a, a a understanding of what it means to be a part of our group. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the most part, it's pretty mainstream that you have some kind of affinity or even respect for Jesus. Um, that's just 
what you do. I, th- I think particularly in the African-American culture up until recently, um, it was weird for you to be a, an atheist mm. or a, especially a, a public, a black public atheist would be mm. strange. Mm. Uh, I don't care if you were out, no matter what, you could be far as the East is from the West. You could be from church and the things of God in your life. You still have a certain sense of reverence that, that to the, to the Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, it's what my grandma was on. My mom is on. We go to Easter. We do that. That's in African American. That's in black culture, but I think that's in American culture in general. For the most part, there's a kind of nod that you give to yeah. Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Um, I even notice when people make fun of the church. Um, I've been noticing this, this trend lately that when they do make fun of the church, there's even a carefulness to still separate Jesus from the people that say they claim Jesus. They'll even use Jesus as a argument against someone who's not acting like him, uh, even though they don't believe in Jesus. So there's this kind of, it's the air we breathe that at the very least, Jesus has some clout in the, 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 the world. And I think that that's what it was for me. Jesus was just, um, he was uh, a, uh, just to be in the in group, to be not the weirdo, in the family, uh, I'm not going to be hostile towards Jesus. Then I also think that, um, I mean, I even think about the white house for example, I'm kind of getting off here, but it'd be, it'd be weird for most of American history to not have a Christianity preferring president of any Mm -hmm. kind. Um, that they're not like, they might not be a Christian, but they're at least a sympathetic and somewhat supportive almost every president to date. Um, it's just the it's just the air we breathe, and I think what that creates is a a space for people to turn Jesus into a mascot, uh, and not necessarily uh, the 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 engineer or the owner of the mm-hmm. team. Uh, and you right. know how it works with a mascot, right? So no nobody has been down by forty, and then the mascot came out and gave some moving performance for the audience and for the cheerleaders and for the, the mascot went into the locker room at halftime and, and, and did a, a dope little yeah. thing that inspired everybody and went and won the game. No, the mascot is typically a caricature of something that actually is real, right? So it's, it's an alligator, but, mm-hmm. but it's an alligator that walks and uh, like a man and has a, a, you know more teeth or a longer snout, whatever it is, it's a caricature of an actual thing. And it's there not necessarily to change anything, but to support what we're already going to do. And that's what Jesus is for when Jesus is basically segregated into a cultural figure. He is, a, he is the savior of a civic religion where he acts as a mascot for the team, but he is not driving anything. He ain't coaching. He ain't owning nothing. He is simply there to endorse what we are going mm. to do. And from time to time, be a uh, a presence of of, of joy, um, but it, to bring some joy in his presence being there, but nothing of meaning. And Jesus just won't get down with that. If you want to make Jesus a mascot, realize that Jesus, who is alive right now at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning and happy to bring joy, justice, peace, and salvation to those who trust him, that Jesus will leave you by yourself if you want to make him the mascot. He's not going to negotiate with you. 
You either mm-hmm. have him as the Lord who brings the love and the world of, of, of salvation and redemption that we love, or you don't have him at all. And the book is arguing that both of those realities are dangerous. To have the true Jesus yeah. in, present, working, and moving things around, he's a threat to all that is evil. He's a, he's a, a menace to that which would, that is malignant. Uh, he is a force for good, a dangerous good. But to have his name, but not his personhood and his presence, is a, another kind of dangerous that Frederick Douglass yeah. would argue makes people worse. It makes societies mm-hmm. worse. Uh, it, it, it endorses and justifies the worst kinds of evils imaginable, imaginable because you are using Jesus's face, but you're ignoring his voice and his walk. And that yeah. is a condition of the Christianity of the land that I am fighting to tear KB, down. you're going to be stepping on some toes now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do you, so KB, what would you say, how do we help people bridge that gap then? Like, you know, like those people that, you know, like they have the reverence of church or reverence of Jesus. Like they kind of have this respect, like you talked about it underlying, but they, they he's more of a mascot or part of right. how do we help them bridge that gap? Like, how do we get them? How do you think we help people get to that place where it's like, oh, hey, well, this is something, you know, how do we kind of get them? Or what are yeah. some practical things we do in our lives when we're talking with those people, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, um, I, I would start with taking the words of Jesus serious. I, I, I think, um, I, I, I'm thinking about, um, for years I would hear pastors preach about patience and, um, they would talk about how, like, you know, don't ask God for patience because if you do, he's going to send a bunch of difficult people your way or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll be like, you know, they'll, they'll say, you know, you know, just coming in today, somebody cut me off and I was tempted to give them the middle finger. And and then Lord knows sometimes I do. And uh, we, we, we talk about the pursuit of patience, for example, as something that Jesus didn't actually expect us to go after. Let's be clear. What it means to follow Jesus is to be a recipient of his grace that covers your sin. If Jesus does not cover our sin, we have no hope in this world. But if you only understand Jesus as the, uh, you know, the, the, the parent that comes over your shoulder, when I was a kid, I would, I would sometimes not even try to work on a problem because I knew that if I faked as if it was too hard to do, my mom would come and do it for me. And I think in some ways you can bastardize grace or you can, you can misappropriate grace to be the thing that get, there's no expectation for you to, to, uh, to try this thing because uh, he's just going to come over your shoulder and do it for you. You know, know what I'm saying? And just cover you. Lord, forgive me and move on with your life. For a lot of Christian tradition in this country, we say, no, you should do those things. That's what Christians do. And that's true. You should be patient as Christians should pursue patience. But it's deeper than that. Behind every direction, there is joy and meaning and purpose and transformation to be derived. Think about patience, for example. If you were a more patient person, 
What would that mean for your life? What would it mean for your business, your schooling, your 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 marriage, uh, your 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 ability to um, be a productive citizen? And I'm not saying that it's just for that. We we want to be patient because we love God. We want to be like Him, but realize that this is not a benefitless religion. It's actually filled with things that make you whole. That forgiveness is another mm-hmm. example. That the thought of letting somebody. Uh, letting go of something that you're holding against someone feels like it goes against everything that would uh, that that is important to you. It would be so wrong. They're, they're getting away with it. But think about what would it mean if you actually gave yourself to the way of love of not holding a wrong against someone. I'm not talking about enabling abusers. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about not letting somebody live rent-free in your mind. They've moved on. Yet every time you you reflect on your past, this person is the leading kind of actor in causing discouragement in your heart. What if you forgave? What if you repented? What if you confessed the thing that you're holding on to that is ravishing you in this in, in darkness? What if it wasn't anymore? And if Jesus says, that the pathway to get to freedom is through confession, transparency, and allowing people in to help you walk through that. What if you did that? There is only profit for us on the mm. other side. And what I'm saying is taking, starting at a place of, let's just assume that Jesus understands our frailty, our weakness, and our limitations, and the things that he is calling us into are not some superhuman, you know, white knuckled, you know, you know, but but it actually is a, a pathway to our own wholeness, which coincides with his glory. Take that serious. Read the Beatitudes with that in mind. Okay. And see if it might not open up a a pathway for us to not only transform this world, but see our own lives transformed. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um Man, you're like you're. It, it feels like you listened to a conversation I had yesterday. Uh, like, and you're literally. Baby. It's almost. It's almost like you're listening to this conversation we're having. I'm like, man, I wish I wish I would have recorded that. I'll play it back right now. You just feel like it's it's crazy. I love so it. it. You you mentioned you do talk speaking of culture, kind of like the culture we're in today. We're in this period of cancel culture, and you talk about how Jesus can't be canceled. I was wondering if right. you'd speak into into that a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah. What you mean so, by that? Uh, what I mean by that is um, there have been movements uh, to to try to erase Jesus from the you know the cultural landscape, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously you know my man Frederick Nietzsche was the uh, one of the chief you know historical architects of the idea that God is dead. Um, mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is Frederick Nietzsche is dead. And, um, and God is very much alive. I feel I, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Frederick Nietzsche's home uh, later after he died and was gone later became a place where they were translating Bibles. If I'm not mistaken, uh, God has mm-hmm. a way of outlasting those that say that he won't last. It just is what it is. Uh, and I think that's that's even a principle of life, that if 
things last if we commit ourselves to the long haul. That's the long haul. That's marriage. That's ministry. Uh, oftentimes, if you got a good product, that's business. Um, Jesus will always outlast those who say he will not last um, because his promises are not going to fail. They cannot fail for he has underwritten them with his life. Since that's the case, unpopular, man, y'all about to get Come on now. in here. <laughs> The the lack of popularity, uh, not being able to win the popular vote has never been an issue Mm -hmm. for Jesus. Uh, He he didn't need the popular vote to turn the world upside down for three centuries. Um, Out of this virgin religion came this worldwide phenomenon that at the very least, almost every, well, essentially every main every mainline religious expression outside of christianity borrows to some degree from the ideas of jesus and i think that that is a a place of confidence for us that if you lose trusting god that you have not lost at all you've only gained that your quote unquote cultural losses or actually leverage for eternal gain for yourself. But it's also another crown, uh, another jewel on the crown of confidence that this Jesus is worth so much, that he is of such value that he elicits sacrifice and suffering to the praise of his glory and your own peace and well-being because we are unshakable if our win is following him you can't be canceled out of that you can't be voted mm. out of that you, you you cannot be manipulated out of that if christ is the gain then what can't i lose uh and that's like i said that's backed up with the fact that jesus is just not going to take an l right. in the grand scheme of things um so that's you know that that's what I would I, I would you know say to why you, you just can't cancel them. Yeah. So um, looking at the church today, I mean, you're addressing a lot of issues in the church in your book. Yeah. What's What's like one of the bigger like what would you say is the biggest issue the church has right now? Like reaching the lost, reaching those people that need to understand who Jesus is. You know, we obviously there's an issue with the Jesus that's presented a lot of times. What, what What's something, what's the biggest issue that the American church, would you say in your opinion, is facing right now? Um, Man, it really just depends even what community you're talking about. Um, I would say for um, mainline, you know, kind of like evangelical Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're you're suffering a, a massive PR crisis right now um, that doesn't seem to be uh, much of a concern for a lot of people. Um, I think that mm-hmm. because you've been able to make a facsimile of the world and create your own silos and your own industries and your own audiences and your own businesses and all of that stuff, 
who cares if the world doesn't see us as winsome? We got the people that are already on our team. So churches mm, yeah. in a lot of ways are becoming um, an exchange of, you know, I, I just slightly like the worship better up the street. So then I'll join that church. So growth is basically, yeah, right. yeah. you know, horizontal and not necessarily mm. vertical. And um, I think since that's the, the landscape, not being bothered or concerned about that is a big concern for me. Because it says to me that uh, the goal is not to win our enemies, especially for my my uh, my brothers and sisters that see uh, the political landscape as essentially the litmus test on where heaven and hell is or whatever's happening in the White House is basically what's happening in 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 uh, in eternity in in heaven uh, in the kingdom. Uh, the folks that have given themselves to that, which we've seen a lot more vocality on that here recently, um, you seem to have missed that our greatest weapon is our love for God and our love for people. That is not a concession. No one's going to argue with me on that. And that's what I'm trying to do in the book. I'm trying to remove the 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 mental ascent that love god love neighbor is important i'm trying to center how you might practically and regularly emphasize and live that out as a means to win the loss not just Mm. let the loss know where you stand because i think that's what we are we just want the loss to know where we are on the issue i just want you to know you're wrong and if i've done that I've done my part right. that that isn't that is not the sum and substance of loving that that is arguably a aspect of loving but at the very least uh it is an entryway that, that if, if there's clarity on where we stand that's the the start that that, that isn't the, the where we want to start and end the conversation. But there's a whole world of ways in which we might have a witness that uh, sort of uh, reflects the, 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 the ways of the Lord Jesus with those in the culture, with those in uh, the, you know, the other side of the aisle, with those who are considered our neighbors, that we have to give ourselves to. The thing that is facing the church as a supreme issue is the same thing that Jesus said was supreme issue of the church of Ephesus in the book of revelation. You have abandoned your first love. Mm. And unless you come back to your first love, I will have nothing to do with you. And, uh, and I think in sorts, um, I want the, the, the book to, to help lead people on that path that there is this dangerous Jesus that, is all that we were told Jesus is the the gentleman that steps in the savior that that swoops down and turns communities into reflections of heaven that's accessible to us and instead of becoming a threat to good which oftentimes Christians in historical battle after historical battle have become threats to good i mean <laughs> we become threats yeah. to evil that preserve good and then bring people into an ultimate good, which is to be reconciled with the God that made them. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're talking about, I'm sorry, Jacob. You're, it, it, man, it it just makes me think of 
um, in the Chronicles of Narnia where they ask about uh, Aslan. He says, yes. he's not safe, but he is good. Yes. Uh, it's it's that that's the Jesus that you're talking about, right? It's Absolutely. Like, it's gonna step on he's gonna step on toes, but man, he's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it reminds me when I was reading your book, you, you talked about uh patriotism a little bit. And um when, after I read that I got to thinking, and you know, I, I believe you said it in your book. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it in layman's terms, you know, Jesus a lot of people compare jesus as an american he 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 wasn't american he's you know when right. when things happen on in other countries like corruption and and you know presidents and things like that you don't never you never hear about it here but when it happens here it's like oh lord you know and it all hell breaks loose and everyone's like first right. to have their american flag and what what i've seen kb over the past five six yeah. seven eight years is people have taken patriotism as an idol and you know that it's yeah that is before the relationship with god and and people are getting it wrong yes you can be patriotic yes you can love your country sure but you sure. now you're you're um you're, you're taking patriotism and you're um making it uh a, like a christian thing you know and and yeah and yeah, yeah for sure you make your um i don't even know the word but it's it's uh you weaponize yeah it. it's it's pretty yeah. it's pretty messed up that you're using that as your form your identity in christ in which your identity of christ should be not your love for your country so absolutely no i couldn't agree more i think that um you know i'm, I'm always i'm i'm a i'm a military kid yeah. um so is my wife uh, uh i grew up it's so funny when they were having all the debates around flags uh when colin kaepernick was uh kneeling and how angry that made mm. people um and i as I, as I observed the conversation, I, I did it as one who grew up, uh, on, with uh, what was called flag duty. So on base, I was responsible in elementary school of, uh, I was on the team that kept that, that, uh, that, uh, looked after the flag that we raised and lowered every single day. Uh-huh. And, um, and I remember even as a child having this reverence for the flag to the point that, we never let it touch the ground. If we let the flag right. touch the ground, we got rid of it and got a new flag. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a special way in which we folded it. Mm-hmm. There was a special, there were gloves that, that, that one would wear and where, where you would place it. There was a, a protection of that flag that I grew up with that I still feel deeply to this day that, um, that I love this country. I've also been around the world. Yeah, I've been to, uh, I, you know, I think about, uh, African American studies and all of the, the the champions that have come from um, uh, that that have come from my tradition and the different ideas of how we might bring you know rest, restoration to the black issue uh, and issues of, of of black Americans and all of the suggestions and a lot of them some of them not a lot in fact it's not a lot at all but some of them I remember having remember having a conversation with one brother that was basically trying to get us to leave America. We'll leave America and find a piece of land somewhere else. And, 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 and I'm like, brother, I I've been to the somewhere else. Uh, there's a whole lot that can be appreciated yeah. uh, here. And like folks like James Baldwin, 
who who would say, no, I actually do love the country. My marching, my protests, my demanding that she live up to her ideals is not a hatred of the country. It's a loving of the, a loving of the country in that James Baldwin said that I love this country. It, it, it's that is precisely mm. why I must critique her. I want her to be better. Mm. And I think that right, yeah. the approach that 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 we have is in that vein. It's in that 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 tradition. Love your country, but don't let the love of your country stop you from or, or inspire you to hate others. Right. Don't let your love for your country make it impossible for you to hear how she's not mm. New Jerusalem. You're not in heaven. You would expect for there to be, you know, frailty and fallenness and challenges and disobedience. Jesus saves people. Uh, he didn't die on the cross for the idea of your country. Right. The goal of the uh, of the uh, uh, of the the kingdom project is to make the kingdom great. Um, yeah. And where that might intersect with your country. Amen. But never lose sight that God's nation, God's people, uh, they exist as a global reality, right. a universal. It's he's he's bigger yeah. than America. Um, America is an empire that I hope thrives and I fight for its well-being. That's a very biblical thing to do. But at the same time. God is not beholden to the success or failure, the success or failure of America. Yeah. America, mm -hmm. as far as redemptive history is concerned, will be a footnote on the page of the book that yeah. God is writing. At the end of the day, yeah. the story is about the nation that he is creating out of the people that he is saving through the gospel. And if that is not a priority to you, if that is not, if that, if that bothers you, uh, then I'm afraid that you might have slipped away from the kind of love for country that turns into the idolization and worship of country. And that we cannot have if we expect for God's presence to be with us in transforming the country itself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Um, yeah. And you, you hit on, I mean, you, you travel, you've been to a lot of churches, been around the world and, and you're just kind of hitting on it a second there where it's like, it, it's, it's, Man, it's a worldwide thing, right? There's so many different cultures. Right. There's so many different and 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 I so my wife's from Mexico. I lived in Mexico for a few years and served in church. And nice. my my relationship with God changed in a way not because I was a missionary necessarily, but but this thing of like seeing a different culture worship God in a different way without the American mm. background in it. Yes. And it and it was like, man, this is crazy. And then I would go to like Peru or China or wherever. And I'd see Christians worshiping God way different than what my experience with God was. And it's like you get a bigger picture of who God is. And you're like, man. And then when you read Revelation and you see all the tribes and all the nations worshiping, Come you're on, like, brother. It, it becomes – and, and, and you get this, right? Because you, you travel. You go to place to place. I always tell my friends, I'm like – or people that I'm discipling or talking to. I'm like, <laughs> it's funny because I'll say like, well, um, yeah, I get it. I understand how that could be frustrating or whatever. I was like <laughs> – have you ever been to a black church before? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you just got to try it, man. Like, go for it. You know, like, <laughs> it's so different. Like, you're, I, I'm like, you're so stuck. Yeah. In like, God is not Culture. this. Right. It's not like this, man. It's like, there's a huge, there's a huge expression of 
believers and stuff. And man, I, yeah, right. I think I always encourage people. That's why, like, as a youth pastor, I'm always like, you got to go on this mission trip. Yeah, it's great. You get to serve people, but man, God does something in your like you view God different when you yeah. see Him from a different culture's perspective. You know, it's straight this up. Thing of like, um, I think that's huge. Yeah, it's powerful. That's um, powerful. I love it, brother. So, Kibby, what's your hope when pe- for people who read this book? Yeah. So I'm I'm aiming in this book at two generations primarily. Uh, one is Generation Z, and second is, the second is the millennial. I think that the in both generations, uh, it is it is heavy heavily outfitted with people who have met the Jesus of their parents and found him to be utterly compatible, incompatible, excuse me, and found him to be utterly incompatible with some things that are basically good things that are, Mm. when I say basic, I don't, I mean that in the sense of like, people shouldn't be harmed, right? Like that, that's like a, that's a basic tenet of 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 human flourishing which i believe is endorsed heavily in scripture no matter where you are sexually no matter where you are uh racially no matter where you are in terms of uh who you voted for politically that there is a commitment lovers commit themselves to humanity in a way that it is desiring of a level of protection. Now I understand that people will begin to extend uh, who should be protected, whose priorities uh, uh, should be centralized. I think in the pro-life and pro-choice debate, there's a lot of argument among definitions. But I tell you this, is that I believe that Jesus is calling us to be a a a a a reality of not just counterculture but other culture that we are a kind of reality a a a a world we create a i hate to use this word but a colony of the kingdom on earth where when you yeah. interact with us you see that these people are from somewhere else and I think that that is at the heart of what the, the, the generations that I'm aiming at, at the, at, the, at the heart of who they are is a longing to be a part of something like that. I want to be a part of something that means goodness, justice, uh, love, grace, salvation, redemption for the world. I want to serve. I want, I'm not just thinking about how to survive primarily as a millennial and, and, and particularly with Gen Z. We're not at war, fam. Like we're we're not getting drafted, and I hope that doesn't change yeah. soon. <laughs> but there's a peacetime reality where people are asking the questions that generation before us didn't ask: Who am I? What am I called to? How can I be a part of something bigger than than myself? That yeah. baseline motivation gives us raw material that we can work with because I have an answer. There's an African revolutionary named Franz Fanon that was doing a lot of work in decolonization in North Africa. And he wrote this book that was basically discerning the, the issues of the 
the the African diaspora. We're not just talking about in America, but around the world in the ways in which Europe has underdeveloped a people. Um, And as he was weighing the ways in which there might be upward mobility, he hit this wall where he said, it feels like the only way for us to move forward is if there is the emergence of a new man where the, the, the ethnicities and the, the, the different expressions and the cultures are able to, to collaborate and combine into something new. And when I, when I read new man language, I go straight to Ephesians where, where, where the scripture is clearly saying to us that the means by which the division ends is that the two becoming one in Christ and that new identity becomes the, the, the supreme identity that all other identities are subordinate to. And my hope is to offer, perhaps in the first, in, in, in a way that people have not seen before, because they've been inundated with Patriot Jesus or, or uh, uh, Second Amendment Jesus or uh, Money Jesus or, or, or Swag Jesus or mm. Prosperity Jesus. All these different Jesus mm-hmm. that people are like, I don't want that and I'm with you. I don't want that either. But don't assign the misrepresentations, the characters and the mascots, mm. the stolen branding of Jesus. Don't assign that to this Jesus because this right, Jesus... Yeah can't be tame, molded, or fit within your agenda. He has his own world that if you step into his world, you come alive. And I'm aiming with this book for those who are exhausted with the misrepresentations, those who are longing, they're thirsty for something real. I am in this book trying to introduce folks to that Jesus um, in these very specific, uh, detailed, purposeful ways that would change their life and change this world. Awesome, man. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing. I think, yeah, there's a huge uh, difference between, I mean, millennials and Gen Z is real. They're really good at finding or at noticing a fraud. Uh, Yeah. And like when, when that, when that domesticated Jesus, whatever, whichever version it is, um, when they see that, they notice a fraud and, uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, it's a timely message, man, because, uh, there's a difference between deconstruction and destruction, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people, get, they get the fraud. <laughs> yeah. They get the fraud and they're like, Oh, I'm deconstructing because the Jesus I thought was Jesus is not Jesus because this is looks so different. And they just take a bomb to their religion. They take a bomb to yeah. their faith and a wrecking yeah, ball. Yeah. And yeah. there's no, they just leave the pieces there, you know? And, uh, I think, yeah. I think the authentic dangerous Jesus you're talking about, um, yeah, uh, right on <laughs> just to yeah, say, yeah, I, love I agree it. with you, man. Yeah, hey, yeah, so yeah. to, uh, so as we, as we kind of start to land the plane, we like to ask our first time guests to play a little game with us to help our listeners get to know you a little more. Uh, it's like favorite yeah. things, lightning round type thing. You good. Okay. So we'll just Let's name a category and you just let us know what your favorite thing is in that category. Let's do it. All right, KB. So, what is your favorite kind of food, man? Seafood. All right. Nice. Certain kind of seafood, or just in general? All things crabs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. What is a uh, crawfish? Nice. Nice. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? 
Um, man, that's 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 too hard, man. <laughs> Can I say what my favorite movie is right now? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's fine. That, that's that even one. hard too. He's like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with Shawshank Redemption. Okay, that's a good oh, one. Oh man, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite show that you enjoy to binge? Yes, but uh, it would not be a good idea for me to tell y'all what that is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just say, well, so we'll just go there, with there, there's some language. Right, there's some okay, language cool. in that show that I can't endorse. Uh, gotcha. uh, the Chosen. Gotcha, no what, what is the joint that they're doing on Jesus? The Chosen. <laughs> Yeah, binge Jesus. I have not seen a single episode of that mug, but that's my favorite one to binge. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. (laughs) Love it. Do you have a favorite artist of all time? Ooh, favorite artist of all time. I don't have a favorite artist of all time. Okay. I do have some favorite artists, though. Yeah. Um, So, uh, have yeah Kanye would definitely be at the top of my list in terms of creative before he yeah. starts unfortunately god bless him <laughs> talking uh but the uh production piece Kanye's up there um yeah I I, I would yeah I, I'll give it to him right now what do you think about his his uh, gospel album the first one the second I thought one it was incredible yeah I thought it was incredible yeah. I got to go to Sunday yeah. service in LA awesome um, um, oh. uh, it was, unfortunately it was the day that Kobe um, oh, Kobe Bryant yeah. uh, passed away yeah. and uh, I went to the Sunday service that night um, and it was like an invite only thing and a friend of mine got me in and um, in that season uh, it was I got to hear the songs live with his, that choir was just incredible, Amazing. and um, he didn't speak very much either. I mean, he, yeah. he, he probably in the hour we were there, I think he was on for like, a, like, like maybe two minutes. But Kirk Franklin was there and shared the gospel with okay. the industry. There's a bunch of non-believers in there. It was a, it was beautiful. So yeah. yeah, go ahead. Awesome. Do you have a uh, Do you have a dream duet? I know you've done. I know you've done some songs like you got one. With, you got with Brandon Lake and Matt Redman. Do you uh-huh. have someone else that you're that you're looking forward to working with? Man, um, I'm kind of intimidated by this duet, uh, and, and he's also a friend of mine, and he's offered to work with me, but I was nervous because I was like, you're too amazing. Uh, but uh, John Bellion uh, is, is probably Ooh, the, yeah. my, yeah, I, I probably should have said him. He's probably the, the most creative, um, uh, most creative, you know, with ev- most creative person that I've ever met that, that I know. Um, that brother can do everything with his voice, uh, yeah, yeah. With, with the keys. I mean, he's just, uh, with his pen, uh, he just, yeah, he is the zenith. That mm-hmm. that brother's got it in full. So uh, definitely John Bellion. That'd be who I would want to uh, do something with. That'd be a dream collab. We look, for, we look forward to that, KB. I might have missed my opportunity, man. <laughs> this brother... This brother late, late he gave me the opportunity and I fumbled the bag, man. <laughs> Do you have a, a go-to ice cream flavor? Oh uh, yeah, cotton candy for sure. Cotton candy, okay. Cotton candy, that was. Easy. Do you have a uh, fa- Do you have a favorite podcast? Southside Rabbi, baby. Southside okay. Rabbi is my podcast. So <laughs> nice. Do you have a, hey, listen, you got to say that. Do you have a second favorite like a christian music podcast that you a listen second to favorite um 
Man, I y'all. There you go. The Christian Music <laughs> Guys is. podcast, baby. There it is. There it is. <laughs> and uh, do you have a go-to Bible verse? Yeah, definitely. Psalm seventy-three twenty-five. For whom I have in, for whom do I have in heaven but you? There's none on earth that I desire besides you. My heart, my flesh, my my uh, my heart, and my flesh may fail, but you, God, are my strength and my portion forever. So, KB, this this will come out the the week that your book releases, Dangerous Jesus. Can you tell our listeners uh, where can they pick up a copy and the exact date? And then what else do you have coming up besides the book? Yes, yes. So um, new album, um, Lord willing, this summer, uh, June, uh, following the book. And uh, by God's grace, going on tour in the fall, um, pushing uh, the you know, the Dangerous Jesus um, book and content. And uh, you can find this book on Amazon. You can find it on Audible. We produced a audio book with it as well that I'm super excited mm. about. It's not just me reading it, but it's just an experience. It's a soundtrack. Um, and mm. uh, so you can get those wherever books are sold. Yeah. Awesome. Finally, KB, we always like to ask our guest if they'd be willing to share something that God's been doing in your life recently um, mm. that you think could help encourage and build up our listeners faith that you'd be willing to share with us. Oh, absolutely. Um, for me, this is, uh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short. Cause I, I know I've, I've taken up a whole bunch of time, but I'll say these two big yeah, things fine. the Lord has struck me with uh, and, and couldn't have been clear to me if he said it to me in my face verbally, audibly rather. Uh, one is that uh, you're, you, you are only as strong as your prayer life. If, if you're not a man of prayer, uh, it, it is really inappropriate to consider yourself a man of God. So that, that has been strong for me. Uh, the second thing is that um, Sabbath is not uh, not Sabbathing, not resting, not putting limitations on your work. Um, it's not just simply like a respectable struggle. Oh man, just work too. Uh, it is grave disobedience. And, um, and you will pay, sorry guys, how strong this sounds, uh, but you will pay the consequence for not resting. Um, it will show up mentally, spiritually, and physically. Give yourself to the discipline of Sabbathing. Uh, the Lord has shown me those things powerfully and, um, I'm, I'm doing my best now to commit myself to him, commit myself to it. Well, KB, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us today. Uh, get your copy of dangerous Jesus. It's an amazing book. And um, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Well, thanks for listening. And thank you KB for chatting with us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, wherever you may listen, please leave a five-star review on our podcast. If you're listening on Apple, Follow us on all social media platforms at Christian Music Guys. We are a listener-supported podcast. You can become a part of our team financially at ChristianMusicGuys.com. We're so grateful for all of our supporters. While you're there, also check out our latest blog. You can always find all of our past episodes wherever you may listen so that you will never miss an episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.